the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, good afternoon, Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio. I plan on having a pretty full show today. And to get started, I want to let you all know that uh, I do have two of my Living Trust seminars, which I have been doing in various forms for about 30 years now here in the Bay Area. They will be held at the Camden Community Center, which is on Union Avenue, near Camden Avenue, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. They're both going to start at 7 o'clock. And it's coming up real fast now. It's next Wednesday the 13th or Thursday the 14th of November. So I'm getting excited about it. I'm getting more and more people signing up for those seminars. And I'm hoping to have a full house by the time um, I actually present them. Um, The room I'm using at the Camden Community Center is Room 1. And it can hold nearly 50 people in the room. So I'm hoping to have a full turnout. I certainly have materials for everybody who turns out. Uh, I give away a lot of material uh, that people can take home and read and uh, look over and mark up and uh, get better educated uh, educated about living trusts and estate planning and conservatorship avoidance and probate avoidance. To register, there's one of two ways. You can either go to eventbrite.com and search for the Living Trust Seminar at uh, one of those dates, and then you can register there. Or you can go to my main website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, and right at the top of the homepage, you will see registration links for the seminars. There's one for the 13th, one for the 14th. If you click on the one that you're interested in, It will take you straight to the registration page at Eventbrite so you can make sure that you have reserved your spot for yourself, yourself and your spouse, uh, family members, friends who want to come along. You can actually reserve multiple spaces with one reservation. And uh, so that's coming up and it's really coming up fast. So if you have been interested in finding out more about living trusts and estate planning, here's your chance I put on a great show. Uh, I promise that uh, you'll learn a lot. Time will go by quickly and you'll be entertained. Those are my promises to anyone coming to one of my seminars. So if you're interested, 
Now's the time to register before they fill up. <clears throat> if you'd like to call in today with a question you'd like me to discuss with you on the air, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. <clears throat> now, moving on in the way that um, I normally do with the show here, I'm going to start going through some questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, that way uh, you can get some really useful information um, today um, that might be beneficial to you and your family. So here, uh, here's a question that comes out of uh, Fountain Valley, California. Uh, how do I transfer property title from a trust to a successor trustee whose name is not on the recorded deed? That's an excellent question. It says, the trust was established by my father as a living trust. Then when he died, I became the acting trustee. My name is not stated in the presently recorded trust transfer deed, but instead it says any successor trustees are listed as grantees. That's the person receiving the property. So, how do I change the title to take over as the new trustee? Well, here's what it's done. Um, some people file what's called an affidavit of death of trustee, which clears the title into the, um, which is also names the successor trustee to take the name off the title of someone who has died. Uh, I think the preferred approach is to do an affidavit of change of trustee, um, where you give the reason for the change is that the original trustee has died and you attach a death certificate to that. In that same document, the successor trustee can put forth, I am now the successor trustee, and so my name now goes on the title as the successor trustee of that original trust. There would also be a preliminary change of ownership report, which lets the assessor know that all this is is a change of trustee, um, and then a death certificate, as I mentioned, has to be attached to that document so that uh, it can actually be properly uh, processed at the other end when it gets to the assessor's office. Okay, here's uh, says, My brother had the power of attorney for my mother when she was on her deathbed at the hospital he went to a notary and quit claimed the house into his name. This is mom's house. Her will states that her estate was to be split evenly between the four children. Well, let's talk about that. If someone just does that, exercising their authority under a power of attorney to give someone's property to themselves, that could be overturned pretty readily by a court. Uh, and if the mother was elderly... Uh, classified as an elder person here in California, that is probably financial abuse of an elder by misusing the power of attorney to basically steal the property from uh, the parent and from the other siblings. That's the kind of thing where the district attorney, in this case it's Monterey County, the district attorney in Monterey County might be very interested in someone using a power of attorney to transfer a house to themselves uh, for no consideration, meaning it wasn't purchased or something like that. 
So that could very well be um, that could very well be an issue for um, this brother that transferred the property. And what I would advise this person is to immediately go to the district attorney and tell them what happened and let them use their process and their authority to basically uh, go after the brother for essentially stealing the property from the parent. When I see and hear about things like that, it always upsets me because I know that there are people that that act in this way, that think they're entitled to it, that somehow think that they have the right to do this. And it pretty much, most of the time, it never ends well for someone that basically steals property from a parent and also the inheritance from other children in a family. Okay, so here is, um, so mom had a trust now. She made a First Amendment to the trust for distribution. Now she wants to change the distribution again. So in writing up a new amendment, should she state it's an amendment to the original trust or an amendment to the First Amendment? Uh, The First Amendment also has changes to other articles that will not be changed. What I would do there is the Second Amendment should actually reference the original trust and should make the changes to whatever distribution was in the Second Amendment and now put it in the First Amendment. Um, You wouldn't necessarily uh, reference the First Amendment that was made because um, uh, unless you're actually changing that, then I might mention that it's changing the original trust and the First Amendment to now read as follows and whatever the section happens to be. So here, a quick question before we reach the first uh, break of the show today. Um, Well, actually, we kind of run out of time in this segment. So um, the number is 800-516-1220. If you want to give me a call and talk on the air, you can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you'd like to talk that way. But we'll come back after this commercial break. This is state planning attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your State Radio host. We'll talk with you then. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments that I get from around the state of California with situations that arise uh, with people uh, throughout the state because uh, you'll find that um, you may hear something today that applies to you in your situation and I'm always available if you uh, if you need to contact me about a question you may have about estate planning or a situation you're facing. If it's something I can't assist with, I may be able to put you in contact with someone that could assist you, uh, maybe even in your area. Um, I don't really do any kind of court appearances outside of um, Santa Clara and San Mateo counties, for example. Uh, but... At the same time, if you have a situation, you could email me at radio at lawbob.com um, or you could uh, uh, give me a call at my office, which is 408-247-0444, and I'll see if I can assist you in some way. Moving on now, if you'd like to call today, it's 800-516-1220, but uh, no one having called in so far today, 
I'm going to continue on with uh, more situations. Now, here's a pretty straightforward question, and and I'm sure um, you might be in this situation. This question is referencing distribution from a trust. If there's money remaining in a trust, who will notify me as a beneficiary? Does the attorney that created the trust have anything more to do with the trust, or is it solely the trustee's responsibility? Well, the short answer is it's the trustee's responsibility uh, to notify someone if they're a beneficiary of the trust and if there's any money um, left to be distributed to them. The attorney that created the trust may have died, become incapacitated, or retired many years earlier. Um, and the attorney that created the trust is only going to be involved in the ultimate distribution from the trust if they were hired by the trustee to assist the trustee in doing the administration of the trust after the creator of the trust has died. I can tell you that I have drafted um, several hundred trusts over the years, and uh, people usually come back to me to do administration, but I can guarantee that I've had some clients that have passed away. Maybe they moved to other parts of the state or even other states, and the administration of their trust is not being handled by me. Um, That's just a fact. But uh, even if I'm handling the administration, um, I work with the trustee to make sure that beneficiaries are notified and given all the information that they're required to be given under the law. But I don't have any independent authority to direct distributions or anything like that. That is solely up to a trustee. Now here, this kind of covers something that um, I I touched on briefly in the first segment. Uh, It says, my mother passed away and left my sister and her uh, and I her house. Uh, I recently did a cash out refinance and bought my sister out. The lender had to sign an affidavit of change of trustee, but there was no affidavit of death and no certification of trust. Can an affidavit change of trustee cover the same thing of an affidavit of death of trustee? The answer is yes. And um, <clears throat> and basically, if they uh, didn't need a certification of trust, they didn't need one. But an affidavit of change of trustee is broader than just death of trustee. Uh, I used to do an affidavit of death of trustee in order to put a new trustee in place after the original trustee had died. Now I do the affidavit of change of trustee because it is um, it is more specific as to what's going on. It it actually tells you that the change is because of a death. Uh, you still have a, a death certificate that's attached, but it's a little more descriptive, um, I believe, uh, about what has happened with the trust. Okay. Um, can a settlement agreement be breached after signing it before a judge? The beneficiaries of a trust went to mediation attended by their attorneys. They came to a settlement, and I signed a settlement agreement. One of the beneficiaries breached the settlement agreement without cause by refusing to vacate real property, a home, which was to be sold upon being vacated. Can the other beneficiary just breach the settlement agreement because they had second thoughts or changed their mind or what we might call buyer's remorse? Um, If this was done before a judge, 
And part of the settlement was that it could be reduced to a judgment by a court if any one of the beneficiaries apply to the court. Then the answer is that breach of the agreement will not stand. Um, The court would render it as a judgment and the person refusing to move out of the house could be evicted. So um, I think that this is uh, actually a situation I'm sure that comes up now and then where someone makes an agreement and then they decide, well, I don't like that agreement, so I'm just going to ignore it and do my own thing. Um, There is always recourse to the courts for something like that. Okay, how can my cousin protect his father, my uncle, from being taken advantage of by his wife's granddaughter and her friends. He's becoming forgetful. Granddaughters lived there for years. Uh, His wife raised her after her mother died. His wife recently had to go to assisted living. Over the last few years, the wife allowed her granddaughter to let her friend, the granddaughter's father, um, live there. Um, now my uncle's there with all these young adults. My uncle and his wife always kept their finances separate. We know he made an amendment to his trust that would allow the wife to live in his house for a designated time should he die before her. Uh, these other people are users and, uh, his son would like to get them out of there. Uncle's in the early eighties. The others range from 25 to 45 years old. Well, the the uh, father has the right to basically tell them to move, and if they don't move, he could have them evicted from his house. Um, if he's not willing to do that, he can give a power of attorney to his son, and his son could evict them from the house. But if they if there's any suspicion that they're taking advantage of him because he's in his 80s and becoming forgetful, then Adult Protective Services might be brought in as well to check and make sure that they're not taking advantage of him and in an appropriate case have them removed from the house so that they can no longer take advantage of this person. Okay, uh, trust estate accounting question. Uh, I've asked the estate trustee for an accounting. He is deflecting. He wrote back, I'll no longer respond to you on electronic mail. From now on, you have to use the U.S. Postal Service. He, my brother, the trustee of the estate, wants to only correspond using the Postal Service. Should I be alarmed? Well, stay tuned after the mid-show break here, and I will comment on that situation for this person. Um, Until then, uh, if you want to give a call, it's 800-516-1220. And this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, San Jose, California, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll get back to you after this mid-show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I, I read a situation of someone here in California that was trying to get an accounting from his brother, who's the trustee of a trust, 
And uh, the brother said, I'm not going to respond to you on email, and you can only communicate using the Postal Service. Uh, And the person said, should I be alarmed at this? Well, I would say, first of all, if um, I don't know that the the trustee can just unilaterally say, hey, you have to uh, only send me letters from now on. The trustee has the responsibility to keep in contact and keep a beneficiary reasonably informed about what's going on. And um, by not responding to the request for an accounting, that's what I would be alarmed about. If someone's not uh, willing to provide an accounting or or deal directly with that issue, that is deflection. And I think that that would be more of more concern to me. Um, for this situation, I would suggest the person uh, send a, since the mail is going to be involved, send a certified letter uh, requesting that an accounting, a full accounting, be provided within, say, three weeks. Um, uh, otherwise, a legal action may need to be pursued to um, insist on an accounting. That might very well uh, shake the tree and get the brother to move on actually doing what he's legally obligated to do, which is provide that accounting. So, enough with that. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, Here's someone out of Yorba Linda. I'm a beneficiary of my parents' trust. I don't know anything about it other than that what my uncle feels like sharing with me. Okay. How can I make good choices with my inheritance if my uncle will not explain what portion of the trust is mine? He refuses to answer my questions by changing the subject when I ask. I feel like he's hiding something. How does the law protect me if my uncle's a bad trustee? Well, here's another situation like this, similar to the one I just talked about. If you're a trustee, you have obligations to the beneficiaries to keep them informed, to respond to their inquiries, to do what's in the best interest of the beneficiary. If the uncle refuses to share information uh, with his niece or nephew because um, I just don't feel like letting you know, then the uncle is setting himself up to be taken to court and perhaps removed by the court as the trustee in charge of this trust. One of the things, I, I talk about this fairly regularly, but... When you're acting as a trustee of a trust, that doesn't mean that you are an absolute dictator and you can do whatever you want and to heck with what the beneficiaries have to say about it. It's actually the opposite. You have to do everything in your power to make sure the beneficiaries are not injured um, by your actions, that their property is being held properly, that you are distributing it properly, that you're keeping them informed, that you're providing accountings regularly as required by law, it's a major responsibility to be a trustee of a trust. And uh, and I see regularly people complaining about their brothers or sisters or someone else, in this case an uncle, who seems to think that because they're the trustee, they don't have to cooperate or share information with anybody. It's exactly the opposite. And that's how a lot of trustees who do not know what they're doing actually get themselves in trouble by thinking that they can do whatever they want and they don't need to get permission for anything. Um, Common shortcoming, a common problem, and it's one that uh, in this case the niece or nephew could 
can basically insist that they be kept in the loop and informed. Otherwise, they can go to court and have the uncle removed. How do I leave my child an inheritance and make sure they get it instead of their debtors? I have five, and not instead of, I think they meant instead of creditors. A debtor is the person who owes money. A creditor is the person the money is owed to. Says I have five kids, want to leave 100000 each. One has had a lot of hard times, owes a lot of creditors. I'm afraid my child will never get any of it. It'll all be taken by the state and other creditors. How do I leave money to my child without it being taken away? Well, you leave it in trust for the child, preferably with someone other than the child in charge of it, and the trust would have instruction that says, use this property to provide for the needs of my child as they appear, or use this property uh, for anything that you want to for my child in the discretion of the trustee put in charge. That way you can keep the child from receiving the inheritance. And that means that creditors really have no particular way to attach the inheritance uh, and get paid. It can be there to take care of the child and make sure the child actually has some money later in life. Okay. This looks like it's kind of a mess, but, um, Yeah, I think I'm going to skip that one for today. It looks a little bit too involved to try and get to on the air. Okay, here is a trust that's undated, and it doesn't have a date printed in it when the grantor, the creator of the trust, created it. But but the trust was notarized, and there um, there is a date done by the notary. When asked for the name and the date of the trust, can you use the date it was signed and notarized? I would think that's a good a date as any for when the trust actually was signed. Technically, it could have been signed a year earlier and then notarized at a later date. But the most likely thing is that it was notarized the same day that it was signed by the person. And so I would argue, and I don't think people would dispute, that the actual date of the trust is the date that it was notarized. That's the only date that appears on the document. Uh, It was signed by the creator of the trust, which means that it's valid for that purpose. And uh, I would go with the date that it was notarized as the date, if no date actually appears in the trust itself. Okay. I'm the beneficiary of my mother's trust, and it gives me the right to live in the family home till I die. Currently, the trust is in administration. The trust states that I must pay for all upkeep, repairs, insurance, etc., except for property tax, which the trust will pay for. There's a big tree on the property that needs to be pruned. Do I have to pay for the pruning, even though it's a pre-existing condition and the trust is in the administration process? Based on that, if it has not been still being administered and the trust has not actually been established giving you the right to live in the family home because it's still in the administration, then all the maintenance is still the responsibility of that trust. I don't think anyone's requirement to uh, to do maintenance on a property starts until their right to occupy has now been established because the trust has now been established that gives that right to occupy. 
uh, and it is a pre-existing condition. If it absolutely has to be pruned because it's a safety or health hazard, personally, I think the trust would be responsible for that. If it's two years from now, then the, the beneficiary living in the house is probably the one at that point that is responsible for getting that tree pruned because it would be part of the ordinary maintenance of the property. Okay, uh, my aunt is successor trustee of a family trust. There's several real estate properties owned by the trust that are going to be sold. My aunt, my father, and other family members are beneficiaries of this trust. My aunt trusts me and is confident that I can provide an advantage for the beneficiaries selling the properties of the trust. I'm negotiating broker fees, speaking to potential buyers, which is going to save tens of thousands of dollars for the beneficiaries. We're a very united family, and I'm very defensive protecting our family's assets and interests. Would I, being the real estate agent to sell these properties, create a conflict of interest um, by being a um, beneficiary's son or related to the successor trustee? Well, there's always a potential for a conflict of interest when someone is related to someone who is running a trust, someone who's a successor trustee of a trust. That being said, it's a conflict that can easily be dealt with by having all the beneficiaries basically waive that conflict of interest in writing, saying, yeah, we have no problem with this person uh, acting as the realtor and receiving commissions, especially if uh, if they're going to take a lower commission than they normally would because they're a family member. That would be advantageous to everybody. Um, erring on the side of caution, I would have the various beneficiaries sign off on that and say they have no problem with that and they don't, and they waive any potential conflict of interest that there might be there. Okay, um... If a pour-over will was never created, how long would it have to wait until we could put a home on the market? Um, for example, let's see here. Um, so, first of all, you'd have a pour-over will if there was a living trust that was created. A, a pour-over will actually directs that assets in someone's probate estate be turned over to the trust that they already had created before they died. Um, there's more to this question, and I think I'm going to pick it up after the last break of the show today because I don't think I have more than about 45 seconds or so before we uh, come up on the third break of the show. Uh, I do want to let you know you can call 800-516-1220 if you'd like to talk to me um, on air. But I'm going to wait until after this last break to go back and repeat this situation and then deal with it. So this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. And we'll get back for the last segment of the show. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I was talking about a situation where someone was asking uh, how long could it, would they have to wait until they could put a home on the market 
if there was no pour over will created. Um, let's see. Um, well, I can tell you kind of in general, if you have to go to probate and you have real estate that has to be sold as part of that probate, it is possible, and I've done this a number of times, to have a realtor list a property for sale with a contingency in the listing and in any sale that it is contingent on the person selling the property actually being appointed by a court as the personal representative of the person that had died. The personal representative could be an administrator or an executor, uh, administrator if there's no will, executor if there is a will, collectively called the personal representative, and uh, it could be contingent on the person selling the property actually being appointed by the court to act on behalf of the probate estate as the personal representative. So um, uh, I've had a number of occasions where uh, property has been uh, put under contract with that as a contingency. It's written in the listing. It's written in the deposit receipt, the sale document. And then once the um, person is appointed by the court, they can get certified copies of what are called letters testamentary or letters of administration issued by the court. And those can be delivered to a title company in order that the sale of the property could actually be closed out. So that is something that could be done. It's not necessary in the usual case to... Um, to wait until the probate starts, especially if there's an opportunity to sell in a better market uh, and to get a good price for something um, because you, you're concerned about uh, property going into foreclosure or you're concerned about having to pay for property taxes, insurance, and mortgage payments for any more time than you actually have to. Okay, so here, here is... Um, a trust, there's five heirs to the trust. They're going to inherit one piece of real estate and they would prefer that the trustee transfer the property directly into a recently established LLC or limited liability company. And this LLC has the same percentage ownership of each of the heirs specified in the trust agreement. We're hearing that the estate lawyer will not do this and will instead convey to each of the five heirs individually in the percentages they're supposed to receive. That is absolutely correct. There is no authority I'm aware of that would permit someone to distribute from a trust to a beneficiary, distribute their interest instead into an LLC. Um, in order to do that correctly, the five beneficiaries, they can collectively get together after they receive the property and do one deed with all five of them, transferring their respective percentage interests into an LLC that they have established collectively. It's very important before doing something like that that you make sure it is monitored and prepared carefully by an attorney who is aware of the rules concerning um, proportionate ownership interests in LLCs because uh, if this, in fact, is uh, children inheriting 
a property and they're doing this, they need to make sure they don't accidentally trigger a reassessment because they improperly transfer into a subsequent LLC. So I would basically say to them, you don't want to uh, go directly into the LLC, and I can see why the attorney refused to do that. I would refuse as well to do that. So, so I live in L.A. County. I recently filed a quitclaim deed changing ownership of my property from myself, now widowed, to my revocable living trust with me as a sole trustee. Will I have to file a change of ownership with the county tax assessor? Does that trigger a taxable event? Uh, you will have to file a change of ownership, uh, what's called a preliminary change of ownership report, but you would indicate on there that it's a transfer property into a revocable trust for the benefit of the grantor or transferor who is you. And this does not trigger a taxable event. It's one of the types of transfers that is not considered a change in ownership under the real property tax laws. So there is no reassessment of the property taxes as a result. Well, we're starting to come up on the end of the show today. And uh, I just wanted to uh, share with you, I do have those seminars coming up. If you are listening, you probably heard uh, an announcement in the commercial break about my seminars coming up, my Living Trust seminars. They're November 13th and 14th, starting at 7 o'clock in the evening at the Camden Community Center on Union Avenue near Camden Avenue in San Jose, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. You can visit my website at lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B.com, where there are links right there on the website that you can click through and register for the seminar you wish to attend. So, I've enjoyed this today. I hope you've learned some things today. And until next week, this is your host, Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman, Plan Your State Radio. And I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, I guess we have a three-day weekend. Remember your veterans on Veterans Day. And we'll talk with you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.